Hi, this is Charlie from Brevity Box. This is a message being added to the episode a couple of weeks after release. Our guest in this episode, Ray, is a longtime friend of mine who is non-binary and was kind enough to join us on the show and discuss the topic of trans awareness as well as being non-binary themselves as part of a detailed conversation that we are very proud of. After release, it was brought to my attention that I misgendered my friend in using her and she instead of they and them, leading up to their introduction to the show. Ray, in very Ray fashion, was kind and empathetic in bringing it to my attention, saying knowingly that I had, uh, quote-unquote, accidentally misgendered them and simply inquiring if we could change it, but understood if we couldn't. The reality is that we could have changed it, or maybe edited it out like it never happened, or simply wait and address it at another time in another episode, or uh, better, a second guest spot for Ray. For me personally, I think that I can speak for my co-host here. I deeply believe that acknowledging a mistake and owning it is honorable and is the better way to show respect and character. It was accidental, sure, but I knew better and knew to be mindful to my dear friend's identity. We could and should have caught it in post-production before release and we missed it. We missed it there too. For me, had it happened with Ray present, it would have been a clumsy moment and would have been corrected and resolved casually and quickly. That the error happened in Ray's intro is, frankly, an unacceptable and clumsy error on my part. It didn't take long before I came to the conclusion that dropping a message addressing the mistake, but leaving it in the episode was the best way to go. Ray has been graceful and undemanding on the matter, but I expect better from myself and for my friendships. Ray, I know that you aren't upset with me, but I owe you an apology for being careless and in the moment. That it was accidental doesn't really excuse it at all from my perspective. Uh, simply put, I knew better. Ray's important to me. My identity is important to me. Uh, owning my mistakes is important to me. Ray, like any person, especially a guest on the show, and even more, a friend, deserved my thorough mindfulness to the requests and to their requests and identity. And I failed to do so in that moment. For that, I personally, as well as for the Brevity Box podcast, uh, sincerely apologize for not only the misgender, but for missing it um, and then releasing it initially without it being addressed. Ray, you were a lot of fun to talk to, and I look forward to having you back soon. Owed you better, my friend, and I appreciate your cool, friendly approach at bringing it to my attention. And now, we hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Brevity Box. It's episode three. We are recording this on the 1st of November, 2020, year of hell and damnation from the way it feels a lot of times, I think. Um, 
we're a couple of days away from the election, and uh, I think it's worthy to say that, you know, whatever happens, I hope that uh, we can all remember that the loudest voices are, are, are the extremes and that there's a lot of people that are more alike than maybe it's easy to see right now. So whatever happens, I hope that we can kind of hopefully get past the tension. I know everybody's easy to kind of think um, – you know, you get you get inundated with how much struggle is going on in the year, and I think it's a lot about weathering that storm and getting through it. And and I I I just hope everybody can remember that in the end we're still uh, a community, and that we can we can uh, hopefully have people that maybe we don't agree with on everything that are still close to us. For me, that's family. I have a lot of family that are around me, and I live in the South, so I think it goes without saying that uh, I don't agree with everybody. Um, but they're still family and, and I'm totally going to go straight up for the easy metaphor here. Uh, just a couple of days ago at the end of October, we survived a direct hit from a hurricane here in new Orleans. That was an eye opening experience for me since, uh, since I moved here a few years ago, I hadn't been through anything like that, but you know, I could describe all the craziness. I'm sure you could look up videos and trees being uprooted and stuff, but the things that stood out to me were that, right there in the eye of the storm when we knew we could hear, you know, transformers and power going out and we could hear things going on because the wind was strong. When there was a moment of calm and I walked out the door just intuitively to go check and look around the neighborhood, how many of my neighbors came out and were just there checking out, making sure everybody was good, making sure, seeing, they were just seeing where they could help. And, you know, a couple doors down, we had a tree that was, uprooted and laying on a house and we kind of all started going that direction and telling you that the feeling of community that came from there it just gave me a little bit of hope because the last thing anybody was talking about was uh fucking politics so it made me feel good and then in the aftermath you know easy again low-hanging fruit here but it's i think it's symbolic it's a beautiful last couple of days we got through the storm there's a lot of debris people had to deal with some power outages but we're all getting back to it, cleaning up, cleaning our own yard, et cetera. And, and again, it's a really nice day today. So I, I think it's important to remember that, that there's a reason we're going to get through 2020. We're going to get through the pandy. We're going to get through that storm. And uh, I kind of thought it was a good place to start with everything on this episode three. We got a lot, a lot of stuff to go through and move on. And, uh, and Brando, I know that I've kept you off this thing for three minutes now, but, you know, I had to start with a little bit of soothing calm and whatnot. Um, I know you're dealing with some stuff yourself, man. What you got to say? How you doing, man? Well, after hearing how horrible I sounded on the last few podcasts, just in terms of audio fidelity, I've decided to go ahead and upgrade some of my equipment for the sake of our listening audience. And so we're going to try that out with a new concept called Welcome to the Brevity Box ASMR Hour featuring Brandon and Triple C. I'm just kidding. We're not actually going to do that. Yeah. But uh, but no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm like hoping it. this definitely does sound, uh, sound a lot better for you guys. And yeah, I mean, we... Uh, it does. It is weird times and we got to do what we got to do to look on the bright side of life. As for those of you who know, as, you know, Dogface420 says, we got to be steady vibing to get through this. <laughs> take your ubers 
Well, I know that we see things where we live. It's just different, right? I live, I do see more representation in that community. And I think that comes from having to get through things like hurricanes, as weird as that sounds. I think everybody sort of intuitively falls into line to be helpful with one another for the most part. And in Arizona, there's really not that pressure to the community to have to do that. Like when it's a hot summer day, everybody's not coming outside to make sure we're all comfortable and that our ACs are working, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that keeps me in Southern Arizona and probably will for the foreseeable future is the fact that we don't have any sort of natural disasters here. The worst we get is like a dust storm, a uh, cloud burst during monsoon season, or a 115 degree day in summer. Compared to what a lot of the other parts of the country deal with, that's like baby town frolics in comparison. It's nothing. Who cares? That and access to really good Mexican food. That, that kind of keeps me here as well. Oh, man, I miss the food. Yeah, I, I give you that. You know, um, do you think, like, I've said this a few times to other people, and I've probably said it on a couple of different podcasts where I was lucky enough to be a guest on, but I, I do feel like the fact that this area goes through that routine state of emergency and and, you know, catastrophic type weather it seems to have to me it feels like i get more of that community representation that i was talking about earlier like i i see more of that because of where the weather and whatnot right and so in arizona like you don't have that and that doesn't isn't something you see as readily right there's no big struggle for the community to have to sort of come out and and, and be a part of yeah, that's 100% correct. Nothing Fair. really happens here that forces us to come together as a community to, to support each other. Not like, you know what I'm saying, not like weather-driven. Like exactly, It's not like yeah. that. It's no... Yeah, I feel like that has a lot to do with, like... Um, I mean, certainly, I think everywhere you go, you have people who aren't wearing masks for whatever reasons they say, but specifically here, I was surprised. I would not have thought... It was, but everybody just sort of doesn't question it. That's the big thing. They're just sort of like, okay. And they, nobody's happy about it, right? Nobody's celebrating it and talking about it, but they all have fun with it. They all know they kind of just have to do it. They get it. And I think they get it because of those other experiences. They know that when, when the weather is crazy and you have that kind of thing happening, that you need to kind of take care of each other because the emergency services are overwhelmed, right? Or because the, the hospitals just, aren't even able to get to in a lot of cases. So they're out there supporting one another. I think when you don't have that wired in as a must be, you have to have those things in order to really uh, live here. I think that, like you say, like you, I, I would suspect, I haven't been in Arizona during this whole thing, but I would suspect you see more like representation of, of uh, people just not getting it. Like they don't want to do it. They don't get it. They live in the sun. They feel safer. Yeah. I mean, is that, that that's kind of what to you're a saying? Point, I think the sun's rotted a lot of people's brains, partially mine, possibly included. I've lived here my entire life. <laughs> but it, it, it's unfortunate how many, like, yeah. you know, people I see wearing chin diapers opposed to masks wandering around. And I got to stop calling people out on yeah. that before I get my ass kicked. Pretty funny, though. Great episode of South Park for anyone who hasn't really checked it out yet. They had a special a few weeks ago that was really a, a, 
covering the the pandemic in a really satirical and humorous way and anybody who was not wearing a mask over their nose and that was just under their mouth and just on their chin they started referring to it as chin diapers and man did it stick and the two two things about that episode really stood out to me is just the fact that i I forget which two parents it was but one of them was pro mask one of them was anti-mask and then for some for no reason later on in the episode they switched positions on it and I, I hate to admit this, but do you know what part made me laugh the hardest but feel horrible at the same time? When Toby What's that? got shot. Just, <laughs> I mean, again, I feel yeah. horrible, no, I you're feel right. horrible saying that, but like Charlie... You gotta describe the context like, of that, though. You gotta go forward and tell them. I mean, this this episode doesn't just kind of cover the pandemic. It really sums up 2020 as a whole. Basically everything. So Yeah. Is everything you're struggling through at, at this part of the episode they'd forced the kids into school to be quarantined because someone popped hot for coronavirus i believe and it was you know around the same time when the mayor pretty much fired all the cops and i forget <laughs> i forget exactly why the teachers weren't working but oh let's just have the cops go teach go teach class now in the classroom. Well, the teachers were the teachers were uh, didn't believe in 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 working because of the pandemic, and I think they gave all the government te- like the teacher jobs to the cops, right? And all the full, there's yeah, like four cops that, in the classroom when they all got in there. That, that's what it was. So of course, all these kids are at their desks, surrounded by plexiglass. They all have their masks on. Um, I think Kyle and Cartman start arguing about something. Um, they start, they, they get, they wind up getting, Cartman started fight. sneezing on him or something. That's right. That's what it was. Cartman started sneezing or coughing on Kyle. They get into a fight and then the cop in the room tries to break it up, pulls his gun and shoots token. Who's not involved far away from the actual fight. <laughs> it says, got him. Yep. And I, 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 I laughed my ass off, but I felt horrible about it afterwards. Yeah. Well, I, I so, you know, maybe that's an interesting thing. Let's, let's, but look, I mean, don't you think that that's a lot of times what people um, – I am no comedian. I am a fan of comedy, and I think that's the genius of comedy. I mean, laughter is honest, you know, and I think that, the, you know, what we described out of context, if you, if you haven't seen it, if you don't understand the year and everything that's been going on, um, it's it's the fact that it makes you think. It's so well done. It invokes the laughter, and the laughter is more of a omission that you know that that's why that's true. Like, that's funny for a tragic reason. It's only funny in the context of South Park. And then the afterthought of having to sort of, you have empathy, right? It gives you this trap door into realizing that in situations like Breonna Taylor, you know, they can cause a a real awareness that I often think people avoid. I think the same kind of comedic value is true in a recent SNL bit where they took five hour energy and turned it into five hour empathy. And of course you've got the whole joke of it is that even given the opportunity to have clarity on these issues from another person's perspective, the person who's supposed to drink the five-hour empathy is reluctant to, doesn't want to, and avoids it at all costs. And I think that's that is a funny statement. It cracked me up on SNL called Five Hour Empathy. If you want to look it up on YouTube, it makes you laugh because you know that that's somebody you know. 
or somebody you're related to that's like that. It reminds me of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie that a lot of us know deviated a lot from the book. I love that movie. But one thing I thought was really good was the plot device that was the point of view gun. We could really use a couple of those in the world these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I I honestly think it's closer to that. I I had brought up uh, the Frank Lutz panel a while ago, and without getting into the minutia of everything that was said, the one sentiment I got from people who are undecided, both that did vote for uh, the current president in 2016 and those who didn't, was that they just wanted more of what I wanted from the world around them. They wanted more humility, more humanity, more ownership and responsibility. And it honestly made me feel hopeful. It made me feel okay about everything. Um, what what's, what music are you listening to to get you by, man? Like, what songs carry you through lately? You getting into angry rock, jazz, something funky, something it's, soothing? What do you go to? So I'm going to see a little bit of all of that. Um, I mean, I think you and I talked about this on the phone a while ago, but I ran, I went, <clears throat> speech impediment, Woo. I wound up going down Woo. the postmodern jukebox rabbit hole on YouTube. Oh, I like that. And then I discovered a vocalist named Morgan James, and it's, in my opinion, criminal. She isn't more famous than she actually is. Uh, Morgan James. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, um, I've never heard her. Throw into YouTube Morgan James Maps because Postmodern Jukebox with her singing takes uh, the song Maps by Maroon 5, awful song, and rearranges it into a <laughs> really, really killer 1970s style soul song. And it's really, really good. Oh. Um, she is one of the few people to actually speak, my language. speak to Prince directly and get his blessing to cover one of his songs. So she does a pretty good cover Ooh. of uh, Call My Name. Highly recommend. And during the pandemic, her her and her husband, have they live in Harlem, so they ain't going anywhere. Um, lots, of, lots of the... Ro- oh, yeah, because New York locked yeah, down. Lots of, yeah. lots of the Rona in New York. So what they were doing on YouTube a lot is just quarantunes, as they called it. And she actually put out a pair of albums digitally called Quarantunes. It was just her and her husband playing the guitar and singing along some covers. The woman's got an amazing voice. I've been listening to that a lot, and then I've just been leaning into what I consider my happy music, which is basically the more brass, the better. You know, some James Brown, some old right. funk, Earth, Wind, and Fire, yeah. that kind of stuff. Just stuff that makes you feel good. That stuff always picks me up. Ohio players. I'm a big Ohio player it's, sucker. It's not quite fun. Give me but the name of her. I love Jamiroquai too. Good for the soul. I love Jam. Oh, that's my favorite. You can it's call like, that. That is so definitely talented. funk, man. Well, it's not traditional yeah, old I, school. There's his whole catalog. Yeah, but... No, well, come on. He's 30 years late. Um, 25 maybe. Uh, what's what was the name of the musician you said earlier? Morgan James. Morgan James, and you said to look up what? Maps. M-A-P-S. Maps. Morgan James Maps. I'm into it, man. That's going to be good. I listened the first... Yeah, um... I apologize. Go ahead. No, the the first time I heard it, I listened to it about a dozen times in a row because it was just so damn good. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, I, I have a guilty pleasures like that all the time. Um, what's been getting me by, uh, you know, if let's see if we can hear your eye roll once I say this, because I, I can feel it coming. Uh, so I have been really hooked to everything Pomplamoose. And uh, yeah, if you don't know who Pomplamoose is, uh, <laughs> uh, look, they they are both talented musicians. And I, weirdly enough, the they're a couple, from as far as I can tell. They seem like a married couple. And he is the CEO of Patreon. And she is a very talented vocalist who is just alluring in all ways and they do a lot of covers and mashups and there is a quality to the voice and how they do things with their mashups that i can't really get enough of and then you know they have their own singles their own uh, originals that are also extremely good and enjoyable and then they recently for seemingly no reason at all did an album of classic french pop tunes like uh I mean, in French and apparently flawlessly in French, but beautiful music that's recognizable, even though you think you may not recognize them. These are classic tunes. I would tell anybody to look them up. They actually produced a vinyl and gave people a limited time to be able to grab the album. I, I kind of like everything they're about. I'm, I have a huge uh, spectrum of music that I love. So, uh, Brando, I, I know. Let's let's give you a chance to totally drag me through the mud on Pomplamoose and, and and the French album. I mean, I'm I've set you up with so many beautiful things for you to just chew me up alive. I'm on. just so glad. Uh, go ahead. I'm just so glad that either this album came out or you discovered it after we stopped living together. You like my musical choices. Don't lie. Don't Your lie. musical choices are tolerable, but not at like 7 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> you know what? It feels kind of like I'm giving you the same experience I had growing up with my dad who was singing Sinatra on Saturdays at 7 a.m. driving me crazy. Sounds like the same effect. Yeah, but that's better. <laughs> well, for you. In general. You try try anything that much is, is, yeah. is rough, I think. Uh. No, I mean it's it's good that we have those things. Any any shows? I mean, I, I just dropped into the Mandalorian and got the episode one out and whatnot. I'm just trying to avoid. I'm ready for the. I'm ready for the end of the week, man. I'm ready to know and get busy moving on. Oh, there's a show I want to talk about. You're gonna have to start giving Wait money up. to Apple, Charlie. Oh no, John Stewart is is going to be back on TV on a program exclusive to Apple TV Plus. Yeah. I know. I read about it, and I want to see excited. it. I can't lie to you. Pretty. I would be excited. That looks. I mean, I just think the man's voice is um missing, if I can say that. I, look, Trevor Noah has done has done a. I mean, he's to me, he's kind of entered into his uh, excellent phase over this last year or so. I did not. I I wasn't too hooked on him, and now I think he's really just his perspective and his way to bring humor to things is great but still john stewart is i feel like he's that that conscience a lot of people are missing like it's just uh stephen colbert doesn't he's amazing too but he doesn't really have that quality that i can't really put my finger on about john stewart 
to go into the you know to circle back to your weird French stuff. That certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah, he does, though. He really does, though. I mean, don't you miss his sort of moments where he would almost um, break the comedic host wall and go into this somber, like, uh, moment where he would speak to everybody who was watching the show for a good... He would do in four minutes what I don't see anybody having done well in 12 months. You're 100% correct, and that's that's why I'm really looking forward to that show. I, I haven't really found anything else on... TV or streaming services that's kind of really caught my eye. I I finished up watching The Boys, which I'm sure we talked about on a previous episode. Um, we did. I, I thought about bit. jumping into Lovecraft Country, but I just can't be bothered right now. I don't know. Not a lot on TV. Uh, yeah, really intrigues me. I'm I'm just trying to read a little more often. Yeah, Lovecraft Country is one that I want to get into with Brooke. I watched a couple of episodes and. It is creative off the charts and got me, it piqued my interest. And then uh, just finding time where we can both watch it together. And usually we binge. So it's not something where we jump between episodes and whatnot. Um, but definitely one I'm looking forward to. Uh, I did want to ask you about something because I know we were making the joke earlier about, you know, Alex Jones and whatnot. So have you caught up with everything about Joe Rogan? And him having Alex Jones on the podcast, and now that he's on Spotify and whatnot. I mean, literally, the the funniest thing is, is that of all the craziness, he was talking about an old Evangelion, you know, anime and trying to relate it to his conspiracy theories about Google. No, that, that video I, that video I <laughs> sent you guys, I hope you realize that was just cut together. That wasn't real. Okay. Still, okay. it could have been. To make sure that, <laughs> I wanted to make sure you knew that that was fake news. Anyways, um, back to Alex Jones, you know, um, globalist, interdimensional, psychic vampires, ah, pizza parlors. Um, that's but pretty great, actually, dude. <laughs> that's pretty spot on. But um, here's my take on, on Alex Jones and Joe Rogan. And I understand that those two go back a long way. They've known each other, I think, 20, 25 years. Um. In the past, I've really enjoyed because, and just for all you viewers out there, I fully think Alex Jones is absolutely insane. I believe that what he portrays on Infowars is more character than real. But the reason I I like seeing him go on the Rogan show, the uh, the Joe Rogan Experience, every now and then, is because it gives him a chance to get off his show, knock back a few drinks, and start getting real crazy and weird. Which, in my opinion, is hilarious. I don't take I don't take what the, man, what the man says seriously. I think of it as just comedy. And I believe his second time yeah. on the show, when he had um, another one of Joe Rogan's friends named Eddie Bravo, just totally egging him on, is one of the funniest things I've ever listened to. And I I don't believe Spotify has rehosted those particular episodes, so I had to seek them out and download them just to keep them for my own purposes well and i guess that that was the controversy right spotify had banned uh alex jones and so they were you know i guess the controversy was why would they not ban that episode or prevent joe rogan etc cetera, etc cetera. i actually like the way they handled it you know they came out and said it's you know about the content and these things are reviewed and i'm glad they drew a line between 
hosting a show, uh, Infowars or something like that, and having him be a guest on another show. And I don't think they can come after Joe Rogan. He's always got that that bulletproof Teflon shield of I'm a comedian or I'm a meathead and he's clearly not just a comedian or just a meathead and he knows what he's doing. He know, he knows how to stir the pot, you know, it's um high level trolling, I think in a lot of ways and also just kind of an expression of him making sure he could do whatever he wanted to do with his show, which is dope, but also, you know, nice to see he's got some control over his IP. Um, if I, when if you I said, Something about Alex Jones. Yeah, go ahead, Lola. I got something to say about Alex Jones in a sec, but go for it, man. Well, and the thing about this most recent episode that caused some con- and this most recent episode caused some controversy. I mean, as soon as I saw the podcast drop with Alex Jones and Tim Dillon, oh yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be nuts. I have to listen to this. Um, right. and yeah, it it, it He's the pink and I like the yeah. fact that a sober Joe Rogan spent a lot of time trying to calm him down and actually fact check some of his insane shit. That was, well, that's what I mean, right? He knows what he's doing. He's keen. Mm-hmm. And you know, Tim he doesn't Dillon need just, us to Tim Dillon just sitting there right? saying, <laughs> Oh, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. It was hilarious to me. And I love the fact that, and again, well, Tim, yeah. Now, if I may say, um, Tim Dillon for anyone that doesn't know is, I don't want to say he's like a shock value comedian, but he does he does say some pretty outrageous things just to get a response from people. A lot of it tends to wind up being political. And I, when I threw on like the uh, the YouTube feed of this when I was at work, you know, I just threw it on my charging dock, got the AirPods in, feel. And I saw him wearing the free Ghislaine Maxwell shirt because he believes all women. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is really hard not to laugh at. It is. It is. It's really hard not to laugh at. But, well, and so do you – I mean, okay, cool. I got to ask you this, though. Do you think that that – is that kind of comedy going away, do you think, as a result? Or do you think it's got – it's gonna. It's here for good? I don't know. I mean, I, I've been laughing at that kind of comedy and shock – I guess it's shock comedy, but I mean – there is, there's something funny. There's clearly it's funny, but it's, um, I don't know if, if a lot of people separate the two, right? I'm not like, I'm really unsure if that's a, I don't think anybody could say that's a genuine sentiment from him or that he's bashing. I think he's pointing out the loophole in the, in all of it and trying to draw the laugh from it. And I don't know what, what else you could say about it. It's funny. The, uh, I, I think of comedy kind of like horror movies. They're really, really good, and they make you enjoy them a little more when they make you feel uncom- a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I just think it's thought-provoking. It's an incredible tool, right? I mean, it is one of the more revealing things that we do. When we laugh, genuinely, it's a tell, right? It's unlike any other conversation. And when you listen to enough of the uh, kinds of actors or even comedians who act, they'll, you know, it's the comedy that takes more awareness and, and that is more difficult and is uh, more tedious to craft in a successful way than, say, uh, a dramatic roles. I've never been in either, but from what I'm hearing and seeing from other people, uh, I don't think it's hard to find those sentiments. It's hard to be 
it's hard to bring that to have that awareness, man. And that that whoever made the shirt, I wonder, did he make the shirt or is it just I'm something? Sure he, he I'm, I'm sure he probably display. had it made. It didn't look very. It, it it looked like it was something that was just thrown together with like an iron-on print. <sighs> yeah. See, I think it's great as a comedy bit. I think it could also be really ugly if it were not. You know what I mean? I mean, like you know what I, I, I could see if somebody were to make that as a real statement, you would get uh, like bothered by it, but. It, by itself, as a joke from a comedian, it's pretty funny. I mean, look at uh, comedians like uh, Bob Saget or an even more extreme example, Jimmy Carr from the UK. They both say some extremely messed up things that are probably going to make you uncomfortable a little bit, but you're going to laugh. Well, and that's, I mean, hasn't that been Ricky Gervais and the last few uh, stints on as an Oscar host? I mean, that's what he's done. He likes to take the air out of things, take the piss out. Oh, it's not even, it's, as it it's not even that what like Jimmy Carr does, for example. He just says massively inappropriate things that wind up being absolutely hilarious. If you guys have never listened to any of his work, it's pretty easy to just jump into. I'd, I'd recommend giving it a shot. Uh, as a bonus, he has the world's weirdest laugh, where instead of laughing on the exhale, he laughs on the inhale. It's really weird. That is really uh, weird. Uh, uh, uh. No, you know. It's like that. It, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> We're going to have to have segments of you doing impressions. It's too much. It's funny as hell. You know, I think this is a good place to. We're in a good place. It feels good. I think I needed this chat too. You know. Yeah, um, chat and this white claw. <laughs> no when you're drinking okay, claw. Karen. So. You know, I, I think um, we've probably got one of the, one of the out of all the guests that I could have uh, lined up for this whole next 12, 12, 15 episodes I have planned out. Uh, this is one I'm super excited about. And it feels like we're in this great headspace. Um, I want to take a minute and, and kind of it's somebody that we're both familiar with. I uh, want to introduce Somebody that was in my wedding was a bridesmaid for my wife, uh, hilariously in a great vest and tie, and uh, looked great. Everybody had their own individuality. I'm not here to talk about my wedding, of course. Um, I'm really, really pleased to be able to welcome Ray. We're going to call last name awesome uh, for a lot of reasons, really. I mean, I think that maybe people are starting to get that. Uh, one of my themes in all this is it's a uh, unknown, maybe even ordinary or would be not famous people, but extraordinary for a lot of different reasons. And, and Ray really fits that bill. Uh, Ray's been friends with my wife and I for a long time, a uh, medical professional currently pursuing a nurse practitioner degree in California. I mean, everything you could want in a good person, honestly, smart, funny, easy to talk to. You know, um, and I, I have a lot of things to talk to them about. And Ray is also the first person I've been really close to that is transgender. And it is something that I have a lot of questions about and that I'm uh, ready to be illuminated on. And uh, I have such deep affection and our friendship goes back so long. It just seemed like a a no-brainer. I, I have questions about her time at UCSF and um, and kind of the things that she's doing 
in her free time outside of pursuing that nurse practitioner degree. Uh, the obvious, right? How, how is it to be a medical professional in this year? What kind of obstacles and the what are things that you're seeing and what are you aware of? And it's going to be a fun conversation. Brando and I were both we're both close friends with Ray, and we're we're glad to to welcome them here to the show. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futures Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Okay, and we are back. Welcome back, everybody. And it is my pleasure to welcome Ray Awesome to the podcast, our featured guest today. How you doing, Ray? Hey, I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you all doing? Awesome. I love the name Awesome. We're going to keep killing that one. It's fun. Never, I've never been called Ray Awesome before, but I was into it. Yeah, listen, for yeah. those listening, the, the Discord is usually, um, if you do anything through Discord, it allows you a, uh, you know, the ability to kind of assign yourself a name, and in that name, awesome was a great way to go, so it just fit, <laughs> I thought we'd stick with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm into it. I've, I've used that handle for a lot of things for, for quite a while now, so it's fun to see it um, become tangible, I guess, or out oh, loud. Okay. Hear it out loud. It's going to be a downloadable cast soon. Featured Ooh. Ray Awesome. We love that. So I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of go ahead, please. Sorry, I couldn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say congratulations, guys, oh. on getting this going. Yeah. Let's let's hope we're doing an okay job. You know, little things like the rumble of the ice maker in the background with my wife getting ice is kind of one of those things I get like, I wonder how people are going to hear about that. But we're trying. We, we're trying to put together interesting stories. It's um, it's gone fun. It's been fun, and thank you. And it's just crazy. We don't know what to think about it. I'm so hesitant to be like, yeah, awesome, thanks. You know, like I'm, I'm wanting. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried. You know, I always get a little tense. Like I hope we're doing mm. good. I hope yeah. we're doing good. But look, I um, I kind of already went through a brief intro of kind of who you are to me and uh, oh. to my wife and to Brando and that we're friends and we go back, obviously connected through Tucson. Um, how long have you been in California now? Um, it's been nine years um, this month, actually. Wow. Yeah. Nine years this month. Yeah. So, How is it? I mean, that is wild to think about. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? That's a you don't really. I didn't reference that nine years. It's longer than mm -hmm. I expected. Yeah, I actually was thinking about it as I was um, getting ready to start this with you today because I was like, oh yeah, I really started getting close to Brick and Charlie like right before I left, and that was nine um, nine years ago now. So we've been friends probably for like ten years. Little over, actually, I think. Yeah. 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 Now, what? Where were you in your career when you met Brooke? Because uh, I know Brooke met you when she was an RN. And yeah. did you guys work together at uh, St. Joe's or was it at university? 
No, it was St. Joe's, and yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. It was, it has been over 10 years then, because I met her my first year um, as a nurse, and that's been almost 12 years now in February. Um, yeah, we were working together in the ICU at St. Joseph's Hospital in Tucson. Yeah, on night shift. Wow. So, and now you're pursuing nurse practitioner at. Mm-hmm. UC San Francisco, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I sure am. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, yeah. look, clearly I'm sort of in a bit of the 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 low loop with being um directly connected with another medical professional, somebody who's also really smart and and cares about people and their job and seeing the struggles of of that person coming home after every shift and I mean, it, it just kind of easy, low hanging fruit in terms of what to talk about, right? Whether it's oh, having yeah. to wear a mask for twelve hours at a time. Uh, I know for me, every time I'm, I'm, I see anybody having to do it. Like if I'm at the grocery store and the cashier is in front of me, I'll say, "Hey, thank you for mm. doing that. I know that yeah. that's not fun." And you know, I kind of recognize it because I see the mask knee. You know, and I see yeah, like, yeah. That's real. you know, the, the irritation in general of just having uh-huh. to, you know, it's like her ripping off the mask. Like yeah. she wear, you know what I mean? Like she pulls yeah. the strings to pop them. When she gets in the car and I pick her up and she pops that off, I swear it's like the Incredible Hulk to me. You know, it's, it's like, it's, <laughs> she's ready. It's real. I mean, it's like, t- I mean, honestly, I've seen the silly gif for well, not Jeff, I guess it's a meme um, of like taking your bra off. Like it's similar. Oh. And, it, and it really, it really is. It's like, or, uh, I, I wear a binder and, and, uh, and that's even a little more restrictive than a bra. I wouldn't and have even, I wouldn't the mask is really that. similar. It's totally true. I, but oh, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah. I've seen that bra pop off quick too. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, oh, so ready to just chill. Real similar feeling of like just chilling and finally being done with that which is really uncomfortable so um, what i have a question yeah. for you there about your, yeah. your work wise um mm-hmm. so obviously the year being what it is 2020 nightmare and the pandy we refer to yeah. the pandemic as the pandy we're totally yeah, i picked up on that yeah but um i mean i guess here here's where i was at. did you did you start the like going towards nurse practitioner before the pandemic or was that at the oh, same yeah. time after. I don't know how long you've been in the program, unfortunately. Oh yeah, no, we um yeah, no, prior to this, you and I really haven't had a chance to catch up much. Um no, I started applying for nurse practitioner programs um well, like two years ago. Um okay. yeah, and then I got in, I started um this program two Septembers ago, so in twenty nineteen. Um so I was in it um for almost a full school year uh before the pandemic hit it hit right at the end of our spring um right at the end of our winter quarter start of our spring quarter Um, that's actually probably more convenient that it was quarters and not semesters right because then you would have been right at the beginning of a semester and instead of the end of a quarter right actually totally logic that makes a lot of sense but i think the way i said it was wrong it really, it started to hit right at the end of the quarter, but really the reality was it hit us at the beginning of our spring, our very spring quarter. It was like our last, it impacted our final of our 
winter quarter. So our final was supposed to be proctored. It actually, is it, it's okay to swear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, tell me what. <laughs> so it actually fucked up um, uh, a lot of people's <laughs> finals for, for winter quarter. So it was March and we, um, uh, I remember trying to get a, a paper done and my study for my final and do all these things. And then a lot of things got, um, the expectations got adjusted and it became a little bit easier for a lot of us because um, that's when everything started shutting down and we couldn't go to school. And we were hoping that was just going to be temporary. It was like the last week of the quarter. And then, um, wow. and then it wasn't temporary. And then our whole, each quarter is 10 weeks. Um, and so it came back like mid to end Mar of March was when our last quarter started. And, uh, and that, that was pretty difficult. It was pretty painful. Just all the I professors. Yeah. Everyone was trying to figure out zoom quickly oh. <laughs> and adjust everything. <laughs> it was pretty rough. Has it, has it pushed back your walk date? Like, has it pushed back the time mm. you expect mm -mm. to grab further than the window that you guys were out? No, thank goodness it didn't. Um, and I'm I'm really fortunate so far that I've been able to make it work and get enough clinic hours and stuff. Um, there are like two of my classmates now have um, decided to defer this year, so they won't be graduating with us, and that's um, oh wow, pretty sad. But um, for uh, e either because they couldn't get enough clinic hours, because a lot of clinical um, experiences got canceled or turned into um like zoom clinic where you're seeing patients on your computer um so you're learning how to see patients on your computer which is hard um and and then i yeah, think a lot of people have, yeah yeah and then i think some people have been like impacted um personally by the pandemic and in, in ways that it's sure. made it hard too so so some folks their graduation dates will be pushed out um but the majority of us um you can you can choose to graduate at a later day if you need um, to take some time. Right, they're giving you a little space for that. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And uh, now, do, yeah. did are you working at the same time in a uh, as a, in, as a nurse? Yeah, I am working right now, um, pretty minimally. Um, I honestly have like the the chillest job right now that I've had as an RN. Um, I mean, it's not chill. It's, it's very difficult, but I'm, I'm placed. No, no, no. I take right the point. Now. I, I, I get helpful. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I understand. I mean, I'm sure every nurse that isn't directly <laughs> rooted in the ICU has a bit of a, I have a cushier job kind of thing, right? I, mean, <laughs> I think that they just kind of clearly well, feel I, a bit relieved. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. Well, I think it's all, uh, it depends on, I guess, on your perspective, and there's probably some nuance to it. But I think, um, so my job right now, I work for the Department of Public Health in San Francisco, and I, I'm in the shelter health uh, department oh. or division. So I go to uh, homeless shelters, yeah, and run, like, um, participate in and sometimes help run, like, nurse clinics. Um, but currently I'm at a shelter where the volume isn't very high. And so it's just this health worker and I, who I really enjoy working with. And just for like three to four hours on Thursday afternoons, we see patients, usually like three or four patients come in, um, and just, you know, listen to their lines, chat with them, see what's going on. Um, so that's been that's really nice. Well, so, I mean, that kind of brings you to the question, right? I'm really interested in 
you know, I mean, not to obviously you can go anywhere and hear about who's responsible for what. But when you talk to people who are on the ground, you know, as it were, like the best metaphor I've heard that made it easy for me to talk to family members and people here about uh, people who might be reluctant to wear a mask or something. Right. I, I loved the reference to uh, nurses and medical staff as like special forces right <laughs> this guy was really smart i forgot who it was exactly uh probably heard it on a podcast but the the metaphor was really great because i think that rests in the mind of a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't connect the two that these are people that are specialists that you cannot replace with people off the street and if yeah. they are affected and overwhelmed and don't have the proper gear and you know and that that's sort of how i hit my my hard right leaning family and friends with a, a something to make them think in a way is I'm yeah. like, if it were bulletproof vests, Kevlar and ammunition, <laughs> and we were talking about a battle, they would yeah. intuitively be in an uproar if they didn't have the things that they needed. Right. Yeah. Wow. They sort, and they would sort of perceive the stress like, Oh, these guys are, are war torn or shell shocked. And they would think of PTSD, but they don't, put it in the context of that because they don't have a, I think they don't have a way to relate to what it is that like you and, and um, my wife and other medical yeah. professionals go through. It's, it's hard though. Like, like hearing that makes sense in it, but it's hard to, to realize though that folks like for whatever reason, you know, have a level of suspicion in them where they just don't just trust that, that a group of folks could be asking for something because, you know, they truly do need it um, in order to like survive and do their job safely. Um, well, and that's, it's you know. funny because a couple of times now on previous episodes, I've really taken a moment to emphasize this very pragmatic view of why wear a mask. It's like, keep the hospitals and the staff from being overwhelmed so that if somebody yeah. gets sick, they can go get treated. If we don't wear the mask, then we overwhelm and overcapacity and then yeah. people get sick and they can't get treated. And that's a bad thing, you know, and that that's not a, you know, and, and, to, and the weirdest thing, right, is in Louisiana. I just uh, totally think it says that I've learned a few things. The actual governor and the parish president, which is like counties. Mm -hmm. They really had this great approach where right from the jump, they were like, wear the mask. Mm. It's not an issue. It's not a political thing. Wear the mask. And part of what I was saying in, in the lead up into this uh, moment, this segment was for me, I think that because we're under that, we're regularly in a position of a state of emergency because of catastrophic weather, that the community yeah. sort of doesn't. They know, they kind of know intuitively, oh yeah, we all have to do our part and nobody mm -hmm. acts like it's awesome, you know, but they do it, right? They're like, yeah. okay, okay, it's just, we got to do it. That's what they say. And we know. They are very aware that hospitals have limitations because it's regularly a thing they have to contend with, right? And mm -hmm. I was comparing that to what Brando sees in Arizona, which doesn't have any cataclysmic kind of weather like that. And it allows for that. Like I see more community where I'm at. I was really surprising to see how many people jumped on board, but uh, there's still those people here, right. That are suspicious and, and yeah. don't want to do it. 
Yeah, that's great to hear, though, um, you know, your, your perspective on that and, and your, your experience um, being in New Orleans. Um, Surprising. I, what was that? Surprising. It surprised me. It yeah. did. It surprised me. Yeah. I, I mean, because it's a it's a it's almost a juxtaposition to some other issues that we won't go into, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. <laughs> but the way I make sense of it is through that sort of um, um you know, that moment. And I see it represented fairly regularly and in different ways. And it sort of gives me hope and I need that, you know, I kind of want to hold on to those things, those representations of humanity. And, uh, you know, it's nice to remind others of it too sometimes. Yeah. Um, no, I think it, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was surprising at first, but I think, um, I read an article a long time ago that I think, Rebecca Solnit maybe wrote or or the, the I think there's been a few articles just about um, New Orleans and Katrina and um, people's ability to natural well what feels like a natural ability to just come together and how that really got underreported I think when Katrina well and it, it's because of those I think it's because of those juxtapositions like uh, to use an extreme sort of metaphor it's the kind of place where uh, a person who you might totally see correctly as having uh racism is going to be out there helping people of color in a moment of crisis but he's going to go back to being who he was after everything's cleaned up you know and it's just sort of but and that's an extreme scenario i'm not painting the people here as that i'm just saying like that's sort of the mood that when it comes to a catastrophe there's this sense of community built in like they don't really want to i don't get the sense that they're hoping for people to suffer right like i was telling the the brando that the hurricane we just went through i had Mm -hmm. a moment where i i i the eye of the storm and we came out and i mean the whole neighborhood came out to check on this house that had a tree on it and Mm -hmm. everybody was sort of without coordination we all knew what we were doing we were all out there trying to check on other neighbors you okay do you have power and uh you know it was it was one of those things that i felt really good about brando's clearly putting his hand up over here what's up man jump in you guys you guys hit it right on the head um we don't have any sort of disasters in southern arizona that kind of bring us together as a community so it's Oddly enough, I'm envious of how your community deals with each other after a hurricane, because I wish for some reason we could do the same thing around here. It just it just doesn't happen. Well, I think there's not a reason for it to happen, but I think it's exactly. there is kind of my point. Now, have you seen that with the fires at all, Ray? Anything like that? Like, I mean, does that affect well, you at all, or are you too far north from that? I was just thinking about that with, um, with Brando's comment, because wildfires in Arizona are a thing. I mean, do you... There might be like some and some evidence of it, just maybe kind of removed. The uh, the fires were never really close enough to mm-hmm. me or anybody I really know to really have mm-hmm. an effect on our lives. Um, yeah, I was prepared to have to get the heck out and go stay with a a friend for a bit if they got any if they got any further south. But it, yeah. It happened. Yeah, my my little sister, I um, I've lost Tucson geography, so I've forgotten like where where she lives in Tucson. But but close enough that when the fire was on Mount Lemon, um, there was like ash on their cars and stuff, and they had to to pack up and almost evacuate at one point. 
So I think that's a, why I was hear, hearing about there, it a little more. I mean, there were a couple of mornings when I'd, um, you know, go to walk the dog and I smelled burning mesquite and, uh, yeah, it was just nothing I'd ever really experienced yeah. before. It made me want barbecue yeah. and make me, and that, then I felt like kind of horrible for that. But oh my god! I mean, that's well, the first thing I associate that smell. Yeah, I'm not used yeah, to my yeah. city being on fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a new experience for me. For sure. Yeah. No. For no, sure. Just... Yeah. Go ahead, Ray. Go ahead, please. Oh well, I was just starting to think about relating it to the bay, I guess, and the fires. Um, because I've been here nine years, but it's just in the last like three or four that um that I that I feel like the the fires have hit as close as they have, or have have been what they've become, at least in the time that I've lived here. And um, that that change in smell, um, it, it's 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 fucked up to think about. Like I think it was three years ago that um. I think it was three. It was three years ago that the fires uh, devastated a lot of communities out here, and that was the first time I could remember just constantly like smelling that smell of like burning plastic and burning, just burning, like just so many things burning. Um, and then you could smell it for like weeks, and then and then the fires happened this year, and and you just got so used to it that it it wasn't as shocking anymore. And that I'm just thinking about that right now and how. <laughs> no, you um, know, I, I'm glad you're kind of touching on that, though, because it, I was going to ask you something else, but it's sort of correlating. Mm. So going back to your time that you do work every week and even maybe because of the effects that it's been on your um, on your you know studies, do you see the effects of the pandemic of like having more of a community effort coming out? Like, do you witness that in your line of work or in your school? And then conversely. The other side of that coin that you just kind of touched on, do you think that there's a, a desensitization that's gone on and that you sort of – are you witnessing either one of those or not so much? Um, yeah. I mean, I well, okay, so the second thing was like desensitization and the first thing was like communal – um, like effort, like coming together. Yeah, like do you see the pandemic having an effect on the community being more. Oh yeah. Like in your area, and and just what you see in people. Yeah, it's it's been really interesting. I mean, I'm I'm working minimally, but I am in clinics for school like 20 hours a week. So I'm right, right now I'm I'm in the ER at um, the county hospital in San wow. Francisco, and then um and then I I do some primary care at that hospital too, and um. And that's just been this quarter, but I've been there about two months. And uh, and that, that's been interesting um, to see because when the pandemic first hit, I wasn't working a ton and was mostly just doing class on Zoom and wasn't really out in the community a whole lot. Um, yeah, so let me think. So the pandemic, when I think of like when it first hit, um, I saw a lot of people coming together. Um, my partner Violet lives with with three housemates in um, a big house in West Oakland, and they in their neighborhood organized with other neighbors to um, put together. Uh, they were meeting like weekly or twice a week to put together like res a lot of resources. They would um, go around their neighborhood and pass out flyers for like resources for folks. There's a lot of um, uh, unhoused folks or folks experiencing homelessness that live um, like under the freeway right by their house and in that neighborhood. And so they put a lot of resources together just to um, to 
like meet man. people's needs, you know. And and I, I, I saw I saw that all over the place. Um, I I've been seeing people. I feel like people that I used to organize with in the past and um, people that it, it didn't surprise me much um, that they came together to uh, to put things together for folks and, and try to help people get some sense of um, stability in a really unstable time. That's a beautiful um, quality uh, of people. I'm really glad you shared that. Sounds like yeah. your partner has probably got some beautiful quality to them oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, she Obviously. for sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it makes me want to kind of go into, uh, you know, our connection is as friends and obviously we all know each other from different parts. But I think the last time we were together was at the wedding, my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. With all, all of us were in the same space enjoying the same spot mm-hmm. and you know as much or as far as uh those groomsmen or people that you have up on, uh, standing next to you are your closest friends they're also kind of in my opinion representative of different pieces of you mm-hmm. that you sort of embrace for brando i mean part of the reason i had to partner up with him is because i don't know anybody that's better at telling me how ridiculous i am than he is you know, or taking me out at the knees of at, at any given point. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a gift there. Um, he's also the simple got joys this, in life. Uh, <laughs> you're good at it. And I think it's also, you know, the theme that kind of carries through all the people that we had up there is very well-spoken, very intelligent, and kind. There is something mm-hmm. kind. And you and I, when we first met, I don't really know exactly. It felt like we became fast friends, like, like the the all the chemistry was right there yeah. you know for, and i was just immediately warmed to you I, I like your calm confidence and you seem so sweet like just a <laughs> pure heart and i've always loved mm-hmm. that in people and i don't think you find it enough uh but at that point i don't think i've ever really connected um and i don't do that naturally like i know a lot of people immediately want to identify something in front of them. I don't really think I, I jumped to that for whatever reason. Mm. But part of the reason I, I wanted to have you on is because really you may be the one uh, trans non-binary friend that I have mm. and that I know and I'm close to. And it just seemed like I wanted to have that discussion because I know it made me think that I like it almost, uh, brought me to a place where I wondered if I had thought anything before at all. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just kind of always just think of the person by name. Yeah. I don't really I, I go in that way for like, is, is that something that you knew when we were last together or is that something that you've discovered? And like, mm. I mean, help me get to that. Cause I, yeah. I'd, I'd love to know. <laughs> My, uh, um, uh identity journey or whatever yeah i don't know is it yeah. right to say discovery i don't know if that's uh you Discover- know, uh, um yeah i think you know i think i think revelation. there's like no no right or wrong exactly i think um for anyone i think it's just such a personal thing so they just kind of choose what word works for them for right. me um, I would call it, I don't know what I would call it. Cause I think it's something that I, well, let's see how, you know, I, I, mean, I don't know if you have to, I don't know if you have to, right. I mean, let's just be fair. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's okay to say, I don't know. Totally yeah. acceptable. There's a, there's a, there's a pure quality to that. That's I mean, so, I, so I, 
I would call it a life experience of getting to the point where I can say like, that's who I am. You know, I can hear you say, this is my trans non-binary friend. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I've only been saying that for um, like out loud for about a year, year and a half. Um, and, uh, and I still, I mean, that's such a small amount of time. And so I still, when I do hear people say it out loud, I like just now I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> it still doesn't feel uh, totally. Well, I mean, I only would say that because of the context of the what we're doing oh, right sure. now, right? Like, I, I've never. I don't think that's what I was kind of getting at. What I was laughing at when I was was thinking about this was like, have I ever? If I've ever talked to anybody about you, I just mm-hmm. kind of say, "Oh, our friend Ray," and la la la, and I knew that. You don't this. say our our, uh-huh. our transgender non-binary friend Ray. No, not every time. <laughs> and I would talk about sports or something. No, I, I He's don't. Not lying about it, I tell I you if he was. That about anybody. Oh, right? for sure, for sure. I'm just giving him shit. I, yeah, of course, Charlie. I know that's how you introduced me. No, but I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying like within the last. Mo- like we're talking about years ago. Yeah. Like I don't think I've ever said. I never described any of those descriptors in general about anything. I just sort of like, it made me reference back. Did I ever like come out and try to describe somebody? Like if I were to go up and say, yeah, Brando's my straight heterosexual friend, uh, you know, you know, you'll know him. He's that guy. I, I've never, I just didn't think in those terms, right. In general. And so it almost felt weird to even say that, but it's, it's something I want to bring awareness to myself on. And, if I can make a really poor attempt at the way I thought about this initially, it, uh, at least to describe it, it was like, I feel like that's about identity. And, mm-hmm. and for me personally, the way I relate to that is I had a lot of uh, issues and separation with my father mm-hmm. and I'm a junior. I know this is a jump, so please forgive me my rudimentary basicness about this. But for a long time, it meant a huge amount to me because uh, that person was not somebody that was thought of fondly for multiple reasons. And Mm. that distance there and also me being a junior, I had a lot of turmoil about what it said about me personally. Like I thought I was going to just because I was a junior and because I'm this guy's son, I was going to become this guy in a way. Like that was my fears when I was a little boy. And for a long time, I wanted to change my name and I wanted to get away from that. And I couldn't, it it only came after a certain point where I, you know, I kept the name because I, I chose, I've realized that for me personally, I was redefining what that meant as my identity. Right. Like it didn't mean those things. And I felt like, I claimed that in a way, like I claimed that even though I'm a junior, I still mm-hmm. claimed that for myself. And that's the closest I could get to trying to identify anything close to what it might mean to, like you said, I don't know if it's discovery or awareness, and I know it's probably subjective. And in that context, I was like, I, re- I remember that moment for me personally about getting away from being uh and you know, my family was very much like, you know, that's uh, not to drag them through the mud, but there was a lot of <laughs> that sort of association, right? Like I would be as a six-year-old or an eight-year-old coming to the room and immediately these topics of my father would pop up. And that all, that sort of felt like labeled onto me. Oh, he's that guy's son. 
oh, he's the, you know, and I think that carries mm-hmm. on in some people's minds. So, um, again, that was the best for me personally that I could relate to having some pursuit and search of what my own identity was. And I don't know how close that, or not at all. I mean, like I said, I, I know I'm completely unaware. I mean, does that seem uh, the, the best I could do to relate to what I might be wondering, right? And I wanted to see if that was so far off or how, how would you kind of help me or help anybody understand what it is that gave you that clarity? Because I think it's courageous oh, yeah. and like amazing, a big moment, right? You know who you are. Yeah, it's, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think identity and sense of identity in all of us is incredibly important and, and personal. And it's, um, when it comes to myself and, you know, my, my, my gender and, and finally expressing it in a way that I, um, have been both afraid and just felt like I couldn't for so long. Um, it does feel, I think it feels good. I think I'm still figuring out what it feels like, but, um, because I'm 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 gonna be 35 in a couple months, and I remember as as early as like three or four, um, I think four probably, like just just really, you know that age when you just feel, when you last feel comfortable. I feel like like wow. just feel comfortable being who you want to be and wearing what you want to wear and playing with the toys that you want to play with, and that's when I last remember feeling comfortable and there's no expectations right there's no perceivable any expectation on you as anything other than yeah right up until i mean i think it's pretty brief because i think especially with gender depending on you know who's around you and how informed your family is um which my mind tried but i think um initially you know there was uh I was like a little girl really really wanted to be a boy and I and I said it I I I my my cousins had like a you know I I have these clear memories of my my one cousin Monica like telling me that she was gonna grow up and be an inventor and invent a, a gun that she could shoot me with and I would turn into a boy and so it was like these conversations <laughs> we would have well that took a really dark turn for a moment I'm glad it came around <laughs> from what I just seemed to take yeah, a real we, dark turn there for a moment. But I think when he heard it mentioned a gun, thing. he didn't know where it was going to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. It was good. It was positive. It was a bo- positive gun. Uh, the word gun, I felt weird about saying, but but uh, it was like a ray gun. Like a, like a... No pun intended. Oh, my God. Yeah. A ray Ha-ha! gun. Wow, Charlie. Boom. Da-da-da. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyways, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think, hmm, uh, yeah, I think when I was a young kid, I definitely felt comfortable in that. And, um, and then as I started to get older, started feeling incredibly uncomfortable and super aware of, um, how much I, I wanted to be liked and accepted. And so I think that, uh, definitely started to bury my uh comfort with exploring who i i was and um and and definitely started like a 
many years of of trying to fit what I what I thought people would want me to be and just feeling terrified of straying from from that so wow um yeah so it wasn't until I think I was like 32 or I was full-grown adult fully fully cooked fully cooked okay wait let, let me back this up a little bit I when I was 30 I started dating again because my relationship long-term relationship had ended and I started dating again and I started I was on dating apps and that was the first time that I put my um, pronouns being they them and the first time uh, that I put that my name was Ray and not Ray Lynn which my full name is Ray Lynn Um, and so that was my flirting with I was like okay well I'm on my own I can do this I think because I'm in the Bay Area, especially, and I'm a lot of other people do it too. So, uh, so I did that, and that felt really good. And then I started, you know, dating and meeting people who um, just accepted that that was who I was. Um, and then I met my partner Violet. Um, while while I just had just a couple months old, had been really starting to to go by they them only in the dating world and with not even with like close friends, just, just on dating apps where I was just getting used to that. So Violet was my first person I met when I was 31 and she only referred to me as they, them, and then introduced me that way too. Um, and so that was great, but I will, yeah, it was great. Points. Violet's getting points. I like, I like her. Violet gets a lot of points. She's a good, she's Lots of points for special. Violet. Yeah, so yeah, far, so yeah. pretty, pretty no, special. She, Are you saying that because great. they're standing because she's standing right there? I'm she, not. <laughs> Blink once if you're safe. <laughs> no, I mean, um, so you know, I got a total tangent here because yeah. of the way you described that period of time where you were really uncomfortable and really worried about what others uh, were thinking or what they expected and you wanted to be like. Do you, you know? I what is your thoughts about people that are, let's just say in that spot, whether that's adolescent or young twenties mm-hmm. in the age of social media, like, in, yeah. you know, cause you're at that, um, that, that benchmark age where there was a time before social media was this yeah. organism. Right. And I mean, yeah. there's a few, there's a lot of material out there that, you can find on the impact of social media on any type of young mind. Um, What do you, I mean, do you, can you imagine that? It would definitely would have been more uh, a pressure cooker maybe, or do you think it would have been better? Pressure cooker. Oh yeah. So I, and I would say not even, um, I would say this all started like the, the negative feelings, you know, like, like at like seven or eight. And so I think even, um, and I think seven or eight year olds are like pretty plugged in now. So. And kids can be cruel, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of that study is, uh, uh, the book title leaves me, but you know, they, they, they do have that statement out there now. It's pretty common knowledge that it affects, uh, kids because it never like that harassment doesn't just stay at school right yeah. it's 24 7 i i think it, i'm hoping it can flip both ways though because i remember i mean i do think it can increase 
the meanness of kids and the the <laughs> the violence you know the kids can right. um, perpetuate onto each other uh, put onto each other but I think it also I think back to what you said like about community I mean I think that that's real and I think about like you know myself I grew up in southern Arizona and, and also Montana in the summers um, as my parents had dual custody and so I I felt super alone I, I realized I was queer you know I knew I was gay when I was like 13 and had like no in-person community um or internet community really I was trying to find it because I was online all the time but I uh instead just really dove into uh like shows you know like Buffy and um dove pretty right. full-on into Buffy the Vampire Slayer and um and uh, we have other friends like Graham was into Buffy big time oh, Mr. Graham, Graham really? yeah he's gonna be a Graham was just into Sarah Michelle Geller let's be honest no, no, no. Look, I know he talks that way, but I'm telling you, he is a straight up fan. He has watched the entire series catalog through multiple times. <laughs> he is not just into Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, You're right. He was yeah. into Eliza Dushku as well. And for that, I really don't blame him. <laughs> okay. okay uh, I was very much into Eliza Dushku. She, yeah, I, I, I still her... am. Let's be fair. We still are. <laughs> yeah. I have her, tat her tattooed on my arm actually what man oh gee yeah there you go hey. <laughs> um, so don't know how that's sounding out of context but uh I, hey, I she, she's reference. wait what did you say i said she said uh, she's your roy orbison from coach klein from uh water boy it was just a bad reference go ahead there's no bad reference because there's probably somebody that got it and hope so. I, I did not but i'm sure i'm sure there's someone that's laughing really hard <laughs> it's right even now. funnier actually so perfect <laughs> oh. I, I i mean i got the tattoo is of face so it's not just like eliza dushku's headshot it's, it's like a comic book illustration still cool still really anyways cool. kind of forgot what i was saying initially um oh i think i think nowadays i think that there is community that can be found and i think that there are kids out there and young people who um have access you know to a computer or their smartphone or something and are um are seeking that community out um and i i can see uh, a benefit of of the internet um, when and they're trying to, to find the, the people like Violet in the world that are setting up outreach and community like epicenters that have that motivation. Yeah, I yeah. I th I think there's some some folks looking for. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good. No, I I I think that was uh that's kind of what I was looking for there. Um, you know, part of what I wanted, you know, a lot of the. I guess what I hope listeners are are getting attuned to is, you know, there's a ton of things about you I find interesting. And, and this was the one that certainly I wanted to get to, but it's not what I wanted to start with. Right. Cause I just yeah. didn't feel like that's a, you know, that's not really what I think is it's not, doesn't say everything. Right. This yeah. is a very important thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had mentioned to you on the phone before that, yeah, I, I have, seen uh, and and heard comments and talked to people around me that um i'm not gonna bash as anything other than just poorly informed or uh ignorant 
to the kindest way of the of saying that word to the best of its word, quality. But I have heard some stuff that just makes me surprised at how some people see the issue in yeah. general. And and I think the one most recent was somebody that is uh you know I'm fairly close to is very kind and um you know I, I think his sentiment was really one of oh it's you know I don't get it and it's just I think it's just to get attention or you know something to that point and I I, I did go through talking to them about it but I was surprised at that reaction right and it just made me yeah. feel like man you know the first thing I thought of was you're watching way too much TV. Like maybe it's just a show that, or something that, Mm. that that's the only impression. I don't know. I didn't really get to that point in the conversation, but I wanted to present this sort of, this idea that that's so ridiculous that, that, that it's, it's such a, just the way that you have described your own experience and your own, uh, coming to terms with it and sort of just lightly referencing uh, being uncomfortable, which I'm sure you could talk in volumes about and manifest yeah. it in numerous ways. I, I, a lot of that effort was meant to, you know, bring a totally normal human example and say, please listen, this yeah. person, interesting, <laughs> you know, clearly not you know, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know what it was, you know, uh, that's just what I saw around me. I don't know what yeah. you would say to that person. I have quite a few things. I think that came, <laughs> that came to mind. I, also, also, Charlie, I, I've, I've had like quite a few times with, with, with that person. Not that I don't know who your specific person is, but no, no, but no, I no. Can, that's, yeah. I can I think you. of, three different people. I can think of um, a coworker I worked with for quite a while, um, the receptionist at my physical therapy place, and then a really, really close friend of mine, all three people who identify as liberals um, or whatever, you know, but yeah. fairly like liberal and thinking and progressive, um, who each separately told me <laughs> accounts of where they encountered in- had an interaction with somebody who said that they were non-binary and used they them pronouns and they each described that encounter in that situation and the person as just seeking attention um and i've heard it yeah a lot (laughs) from different people and i don't i don't i don't know what that you know what i mean i don't know what that stereotype comes from so i'll tell you like my thoughts of it, because I think this is pretty important. I've been thinking about it quite a bit because I, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm almost 35 and I only came out in the last couple of years and it took so long to get to this point, partly because I knew that that's what people thought. And it, it's like such a real deep, strong fear of people not just going to write you off, you know, or it's such a strong sentiment that I don't think people understand when they just say, oh, that person wants attention. Like, they're creating, it's dismissive and it creates a lot of damage because then you yourself, like as the person experiencing it, spend a lot of your life 
disbelieving it and and pushing it down because it doesn't feel you know that it's not accepted you don't want to be someone that's just seeking attention and so you try to convince yourself that that's not what it is at least my own personal like experience with it i think like without like there are many years like i said age like eight to 30 of just like 22 years maybe of just thinking of not knowing who i really am feeling like i'm not allowed to access it because i'm gonna be a burden on other people no i t- i totally think it it it's um it it seems like lazy thinking off the cuff secondly it feels like uh totally using a pun it feels like a an effort to make it binary in terms of mm-hmm. good bad evil good right wrong or something like that it's an interesting and, choice of words too yeah, thank you thank you like thank what you. we're talking gonna, about yeah but, but you know i do think that there's that sort of group think and i also think it's dr- dramatically lacking in giving somebody individuality like you're it's one dismissive comment that seems to make it where it can't possibly be subjective that yeah that one person they may or may not have actually had direct an experience with and and that that was somehow negative it just seems like this effort to group that whole thing into one bubble and then yeah. dismiss it as a whole and that's um that's a special kind of rejection right that's robotic yeah i got, it, I got some thoughts on this if i want to jump in here for a moment yeah, yeah. sorry man yeah please. So, sorry i missed the hand yeah yeah respect the hand um <laughs> oh so unlike unlike Charlie, right? I I am a drone in corporate America. Um, I have two dra- transgender people at work. One I'll say is one I'd say is an acquaintance. The other I the other I'm going to call a good friend. Yeah. When my good friend came out to us. Um, pretty much my entire little team. We went into a conference room and had some sort of meeting about this with the person. Mm. We're all, and, and, and of course, as I'm, you know, walking over there with my coworkers, I'm thinking, oh God, what the hell happened here? Somebody must have fucked up bad. Who's getting fired? Because I had mm. no idea what this conversation was going to be about. Um, and I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a little weird for this day and age. Because as far as I'm concerned, if what you identify as and what you find yourself attracted to are at least human. Cool. You yeah. do you. I'm not going to ask. As long as it's human, we're good. I'm going to ask is that you cut me some slack for a week while I get used to the different pronoun. And that's it. Because to me, it doesn't need to be a big thing. You tell me, hey, this is what I feel like. This is how I'd like you to refer to me. You got it. Not a problem. Well, in fact, Brando, you're totally right. Yeah. This is my, my, um, <clears throat> my non binary friend at work. Um, they are of Hispanic descent. You know, we of course have Latina, Latinx, Latino, Latina, and Latinx. Um, I have gotten permission to call them Whining Tex. It's a very nice nickname. They're quite a big fan of it. I'm proud. Of it. <laughs> yeah, you got you got emeritus status apparently. I got emeritus status, yes. But see, well, it, when, when it comes, to, I'm, I'm, so and to kind of finish my thought here. Because, yeah, I'm totally cool with that, but maybe I've just been to some weird parts of the internet during the pandemic because I'm single, I live alone, and I have no life. But mm. maybe I think it's the people that identify as what could be considered a weird thing that kind of ruin it for people like Ray or people like my friend Juan. 
Are you talking about like a, a, a what is it? The like the, the Elven uh, Kim, right? Wait, like, yeah. <laughs> there are communities of of people who think they are everything from energy this mm-hmm. and that to elves or you know descendants of some mystical creatures. That's what <laughs> he's saying makes him uncomfortable. And I would say that anybody who's insane tends to make me feel uncomfortable. Oh, but, you know. but guys, that's a whole other podcast I think we're going to have to have. You're um, on. I was just trying to make it funny. I yeah, seriously yeah, wasn't yeah. putting that with you. I was really just trying to kind of wrap up with a some sort of a giggle bow. Because if someone comes up to me and says, I identify as, oh, I don't know, a wolfkin. It's like, yeah. okay, that's fine. You do you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have some preconceived notions now, but that's eh, fine. But like I said, when my other, my yeah. friend Juan or my other acquaintance comes up to me and, and we have that conversation, cool. Yeah. You do you. I'm happy you feel comfortable enough yeah. to do this. Well, Brando, I, I think the, the two things I wanted to say, though, is the meeting that you had with your co-worker, was that by their request? Yes. Or was that? Okay, yeah. So, well, I think that's brave, man, and yeah. says that they trust at least you guys as a group and know that you work closely together. I think that was you know, I, I that's know, fair. And, and I agree, and, but as far as I'm concerned, that literally could have been a 20 second conversation. Mm. Well, you're and, a and for me, there's no reason right? why it shouldn't be something just that simple. I guess that's what annoys me about the whole thing. Um, oh, yeah, we're we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. The people that yeah. would be have it be a big deal are, are are the same ones that are trying to group as a and being dismissive about it being an mm. attention seeking. Uh, campaign of some sort you know i i think i agree i don't understand it either um but you know i think that's just uh it's helpful for me to have a friend that can come on and sort of clearly represent anything i might have to say about it better than i could say it um yeah i, I have some responses to some of that please throw it on there man. i want that. yeah i mean i me think i think brand like brando i think you bring up like a few things for me, like totally it, it should be simple and you find it annoying and, and that's, and that's fair. It, unfortunately it just isn't for people. It's just not simple. And I, and I think it's like, I, and to be, spe- I, and to be specific, I, that's what bothers me about it is it just can't be a well, simple thing for all of us. I just want to make sure well, that that part was perfectly clear. Oh, no, that's totally okay, clear to okay. me. <laughs> what, what I think is important. Oh, no, no, I love you and you're great. And But what I think is important to point out, though, is that, like, I think it's oversimplifying it to say that it's the folks. I, I don't know the name of what you just said, but but that are believe that they're other creatures or energy or whatever like i i think it's oversimplifying to it to say that that's what causes people to not take non-binary folks serious or 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 people that come out as trans um to call them you know attention seeking because i think it's just more insidious than that and i think it's actually more violent than that um to, that yeah, I, I see where it totally makes sense. I see where you're coming from. I don't believe, uh, like I, I hear what you're. I completely see what you're saying there. I, I think what yeah. I with Brando, what he was giving an example of the way I understood <laughs> it was more of the, the line of he thinks within a the 
the trans issue, yeah, it is. It's it shouldn't be a big deal in the community or for any yeah. any person yeah. with any humanity. And I think when he was talking about you know uh, <laughs> energy creatures, things that 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 to him feels more like that is um, like yeah. they are mocking it themselves. Like they yeah. are taking that and making a mockery because they're out there acting as if it's. Um, hmm. one thing like a reality well, i think and, that there are yeah i think there are some people that maybe are intentionally mocking it but i think that there are other folks out there that like for them they believe that they are that or that energy or they believe i i think this is important to bring up because um so i i had mentioned the co-worker of mine who i used to work with when i was an er nurse that he was one of the three people who had told me um about someone that they felt like they were just trying to seek attention and the context of it was it was a psych patient that was being seen in the er who had some psych diagnoses and they were on a hold and they were yelling that they wanted to be called they. And this coworker pulled me aside because I had just come out to him as, as non-binary, sort of during lunch this was a while ago. He was one of the, one of the, sorry, side note, one of the first people I had come out to just because it just came out of me while we were eating and uh, um, wouldn't have been who I thought I would come out to in the beginning. So just, kind of right. funny how that works but um so because i had come out to him he pulled me aside one day during work and said hey ray i had this experience i think this person was just looking for attention because you know they're crazy and i just want to know what you thought about it and i was like call them they it's what they're asking you for it doesn't matter what else is going on um and i think when i when we were just chatting right now and and I don't think you, Brando, or anyone said anything wrong. It just made me think of what I think is a really important point that feels connected is that no, it does. We we think if they if someone has something else going on, we we see that as them att seeking attention too. I mean, that's why I kind of made a joke that we'd need another podcast because I was thinking just about like mental health and how we see mental health and how I'll, I would like to do it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if it would be with me, but I just feel it just brings up like. Oh, I'd love to have you there. No, no, no. You're well spoken on it. I like it. I, I like it. I think it's important because I think, um, I think especially when it comes to trans stuff um, and queer stuff, it gets lumped in with mental health stuff. It, it all gets seen as attention seeking together. No, you know. I get I it. I think so. I yeah. get what I think I understand what you're saying there because yeah. if you, it, it's like it takes one person who might otherwise have other issues uh psychiatrically that have nothing to do with how they identify and so the you know the minute that the, somebody associates those two they can be uh what we were talking about before it allows them to be dismissive as oh that's just another part of what they're struggling through and it's not they they don't see that as just being um they don't separate the two they associate them right it's and that kind of makes me think and this is like an, another tangent, but um, a lot of folks experiencing like mental health, you know, emergencies and mental health issues, like, especially if they're identifying as trans, like it's something I'm really interested in, like bringing more attention to and, and just thinking about more and having more conversations about is like what it means to grow up trans in this world and to not be seen to spend your life like shoving that down and and to not be validated in who you are as a person it creates very real 
problems as an adult that you're going to face with, with depression and anxiety and suicidality and all of those things. We are so indicted I, to those things, right? I, I mean, you're yeah. not, and, and without any, um, almost as if just a mechanism you get, I, I, I can see that Yeah. just in terms of struggle, that, that level of struggle. So for that even more, I think like, it's really important that we, try to like part of why i wanted to do this podcast with y'all is this. i i hope like some folks could just be listening and just see oh, okay maybe i should just receive what someone's telling me and, and think about it before i react or like kind of um make an assumption about what they're after you know get to know the person first worry about the rest later i mean get yeah. to know the person and and i think that's all it takes and i i that's I wanted the same thing. I'm so glad you agreed to to come yeah. on and, and, and talk about it. Um, and I think it's a good place to sort of uh, maybe start. That's a good close off, I think, to talking about it. I think you wrapped it up really well. Mm. I don't I don't want to move on and let you go too quickly, though, because there's something <laughs> I want to bring an awareness to as well that uh, I don't want to miss an opportunity. to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know. You had you're right now. You're taking time to take care of your dad. Oh and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's something that um, I was saying to you. You know, uh, I want to bring some awareness to what he's struggling with. If you're comfortable, if not, we can totally not have this as a part of it, and we can edit it out. Uh, we're not live. We're recording. So, uh, but I did want to, you know, uh, uh, bring some awareness to aphasia. Uh, I know somebody that I am close to here with Brooke, who's a friend mm -hmm. of ours, who's dealing with aphasia as well. And I think it's one of those things that really people don't know about it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I didn't know if you, you felt comfortable. If not, then uh, we'll, I can minute mark this. We'll move on and I'll, <laughs> I'll wrap up and we'll, we'll have our lovelies and, and call it a oh, day. Oh yeah. No, no, that's why I, um, that's why I was totally open to talking about it. That's, that's why okay. I mentioned it on the discord thing. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I just wanted to be sure. So your, your dad has aphasia, you're taking mm -hmm. care of it. Can you, you're going to do a better job of, of describing what that is and sort of what you see it manifesting as. I mean, if you could, help us understand yeah um yeah it's so my dad um just turned 56 uh two days ago it was his birthday uh two wow. days ago and Happy um birthday. yeah well tom you said that also side note he's um the chicago bears are playing the saints right now and i know I the know. saints are your team and the bears are uh -huh. his team and we share a wall and right when we start the game is playing like right now and right yeah. when we started this podcast, <laughs> I could hear him shouting like Brooke so is loud. watching the game too, so I could hear a lot of the same things. <laughs> and I, I was just totally like, hear it. I was like, at what point doing this podcast could I tell Charlie that <laughs> it's, it's actually it's so, perfect? So funny. I did not mean to pick this time during this game and had no idea that your team was going to be playing our team. I, for one, am glad so. you picked this time. <laughs> I'm sure you are Ronda. this is one of the few times I'll say it but uh, go Bears uh, <laughs> from a Vikings fan ouch oh they just I was the Packers almost won that game congratulations thank you Miranda. yeah I've oh, cut them man. out of my life for right now because I don't need any more anxiety and depression for 2020 
So we'll come around next year and I'll, I'll start paying attention again. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Well, at least they had today. Um, well, good for your dad. I'm glad he's enjoying the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Five is so young, man. I yeah, mean, that's... He was, um, yeah, and I think he was actually 54 when he had the stroke. Yeah. So it was t- it was a couple Februarys ago, um, almost three years ago now. And yeah, he, um, it's kind of, it, it's honestly so he was like diagnosed a, post-stroke. So he was diagnosed and, you know, this, this story I'll try to say very quickly, but it connects to kind of what we were saying about mental health and stuff. But he, sure. um, yeah, he was being seen by, um, he was in a behavioral health uh, center of the hospital for a separate issue and was about to be discharged and had the stroke and the folks discharging him. um, He couldn't talk and they couldn't sign his name. He could just say a couple words that didn't really make sense. They just discharged him, um, put him in a cab and sent him to my aunt's house. Um, and I tried reaching him because we had been talking while he was in the hospital and couldn't get a hold of him. And the next day, I tried calling him again, and my aunt answered, and I could hear him yelling in the background. And he just kept saying, who, who? It was, like, all we could say. And I was like, oh, shit, something's wrong. And um, and my aunt, she thought that he was just, like, over-medicated. She's like, they sent him to me like this. And... Long story short, like oh. after talking to her a little more, I was like, you know, I think something's really wrong and we gotta call 911 and eventually like got 911, got the ambulance to come. They had to like strap him down because he fought them because he had no idea what was going on. Um, and they took him to the ER. It, this was all in Montana. And, uh, and then I got a call from the provider there um, who told me that he had had a huge stroke, an ischemic stroke. Um, meaning that there was like a clot that um, blocked blood flow to his brain. Um, and so I like flew out there the next day and, um, and uh, saw him in the hospital and, uh, and was like, hey, what happened? <laughs> um, and, that, and that started, so I got the hospital to start investigating it and then got access to his medical records. And long story short, like found that um, a pretty big mistake was made and we hired a lawyer and um, through a couple hearings, like found that it was assumed, I think, that he was faking it, his symptoms so that he could stay. Um, and that was part of the justification for discharging him. Um, if they oh, had... Goodness if they had um, recognized what was going on, which to anyone um, in the medical field, I think felt pretty obvious that it was a stroke, um, then it is a possibility that he could have received a treatment that would have lessened his symptoms quite a bit and and increased his healing um, ability. So he didn't didn't get that. Um, Yeah, it's okay. We... uh, worked through it and fought it and were able to get a settlement and I was able to move him out of here. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, but going th- back to, what was that? I said, th- I think it speaks, to, I, I, you know, I'll bring it up because I know what, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for, um, that effort 
to care for another person that's close to you. You know, for me, my one of my greatest memories of my uh, stepfather, my dad, mm. is when my mother and I were in a terrible car accident and she broke several vertebrae in her back and well, as opposed to the other vertebrae in her body. Um, you know, and she, uh, <laughs> and you know, my, my dad was just a stand-up guy, right? Like he just mm. never flinched and the effort, it amount of care it took and, you, you know, all the implied stuff's there, surgeries, back brace, immobility. Uh, it just, mm. I've always been, that registers very high on character. And I just think it's a amazing another amazing quality you've got and I, I thought it was a good thing to bring attention to aphasia so he's lost his uh you know which is is it it's not just speech and communication yeah and facts, yeah so so let's get into that and i i just have i, I think for me i'm never and it's funny because you made the joke about brevity box and i know you charlie and i know exactly um, you know we've been chatting <laughs> yeah. for over an hour and i yeah, think uh, I but brevity that, it's kind of me too, though. Like I find I'm like, I know the question you're asking, but there's other information that I feel like is important. Um, and so I've never been good at cutting. I've just never wanted to cut that other information out. But um, yeah, um, so. That's perfect. <laughs> aphasia with my dad. So he's got um, expressive and receptive. And before I ran into this, with him, um, I even as a nurse, I think I really hadn't thought about it much and just thought aphasia just meant people couldn't talk and right. for for him um especially in the beginning he so this was in february i i went out there and stayed with him a couple of days and visited him in the hospital it was right before the super bowl um okay. and he's he's a big like i said he's a big bears fan he's a huge football fan like just football watches so yeah. much football yeah and so he couldn't he could hardly talk he could only say it was kind of funny he could only say his sister's name tracy when he was talking about anyone or anything it was just like tracy was like one of the five words he could say <laughs> um and uh and he couldn't you know it was just hard and he was really frustrated and that was hard to see and he couldn't read and he couldn't really write and this this was the immediate first couple of days um and he just looked so frustrated um and uh and was also frustrated because i think he was trying to say what had happened at the behavioral health unit he was you know trying to explain and he was you could see that he was so angry and he just could not explain it what a um, prison. but it. absolutely it it is a prison i think and but the but i mentioned the super bowl because the super bowl was on and i it was tom brady's team i think it was the patriots and yeah. um he was so clued into it. I remember watching him. We watched the Super Bowl together, and I, I think my our cousin Nadine was with us, and we were watching him watch it. And he's like standing, staring at the TV, and he's like able to say a couple words, like he's following it for sure. And then he says something like, "Tom Brady is a dick," like he says that. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" Accurate. I love it. It was just so good, and um, and so that I thought was really interesting because I think he and he's progressed so much. But when it comes to like football, when it comes to certain video games, like he could play Halo because he had played it so much before, um, he was able to pick that back up pretty quick. 
so things that he had spent so much time doing, I think, and maybe just had like laid down like cemented pathways in his brain, he he was able to uh, to clue into easier than than other other stuff. And um, we've done a lot of speech therapy, and he um, got to stay for almost two years. He was at this um, ranch for folks with brain injuries and stroke. Um, and uh, it wasn't really around other people with aphasia, though, as much. He was kind of the, the aphasia guy there. Um, but uh, when he came out here, so he's been here since the summer, since June. And I just got him connected to um, one of uh, our neighbors is uh, in speech therapy school. And she got us connected to a program through her university. So he does speech therapy um, on Zoom. And they do like exercise classes and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that's that's honestly it's perfect for what I wanted to to kind of address. And and I'll tell you what my motivation was. Um, yeah. When I totally going to talk about Brooke here. Uh, yeah. My wife. Brooke. Uh, you know her her dad um, yeah. had ALS, and when he was in hospice care, or when he was, you know, one of the things that that. I think is such a, a touchstone for the level of care that Brooke provides as a nurse is that as a kid, she saw people who are medical professionals because of his uh, suffering from ALS, you know, it affected mm -hmm. his speech and his ability to communicate. And I think that she just could give mm -hmm. multiple examples of people speaking to this person as if they were mentally deficient mm. as if they were lacking of the ability to understand and that says a lot about their unawareness of the disease itself and what it affects and that really bothered her and she would stand up to them mm. as a kid right and so i think that that at its core like even just that perfect example of uh and i know those are different um ailments that manifest in similar ways i want to make sure yeah. that i'm not I'm not trying to say they're the same thing in any way or diminish either one but they do affect speech and uh communication and i was i just you know i think that's a great example that he's a, you know it's clear he's tuned into the game football's not a easy sport yeah right the Tom Brady is a dick is a complicated algorithm to get to that conclusion. And no, he's right. It's pretty simple. Tom Brady's a dick. <laughs> Tom Brady's a dick. <laughs> but I, I wanted to bring some awareness yeah. to that because I yeah. think that ultimately we're saying that that's not, you know, I'm glad he's got you. I'm glad he's in speech therapy. I'm glad that he's dealing well with it. And I think that a lot of people don't know about it. And I hope if they hear the podcast that if they do come yeah. across it, there'll be more of the person we hope that doesn't make an assumption and we'll, we'll yeah. you know. Well, one thing um, that I, I think just on that, I, I know that we're probably cutting short for time, but um, to speak more to what I think you're saying, like he is so aware of how people treat him and, um, and it's very much, will just be like, I, you know, I'm not a kid and, and he'll have moments where he'll just be, He'll have a set. He has this reading volunteer on Fridays that he reads with on Zoom. And the very first time he did it, I was at my clinic rotation in the ER and I got a text from him and he said, I'm fucking stupid. And I was like, 
what? And I, I called him and I was like, dad, he's like, I know, I know, but I just can't do it. Um, it's, it's so hard. And I was like, you're not, you're not stupid. <laughs> you're not, you're, you're so smart and you'll, you'll it's get it an back. Obstacle. And it's an, it's just an yeah. obstacle, not a, a, a signifier of intellect. No, I, yeah. I think that that's a, that's exactly what I wanted to get to is yeah. that, you know, if, if I just, I don't think people know what it is and I think it hopefully will help them recognize it. And I also think it's, it's just good of you to talk about it. I appreciate you sharing all that with us. Yeah. No, we, we constantly have like, we'll, we'll be out in the world and people will just talk, start talking to him and he'll just look blank and they'll be like, what I just said, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I've, I've been having to learn how to, how to receive that and be like, no, he has a disability or like, dad, do you well, care that I'm telling people right. this? Like, yeah. Well, Cause you don't want, I think it, it, the thing you want to avoid is people being condescending. Yeah. To, to, yeah. That's, that's the hard thing to kind of just like, you know, you just need people to be a little more aware sometimes and, and people, and I'm guilty of being impatient with all kinds of people. So mm-hmm. I, I speak from experience and plus I'm married to somebody who is very quick to tell me <laughs> where I'm making mistakes yeah. all of the time. <laughs> Ray, I yeah. want to, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. I think it's been amazing. I really can't thank you enough. I feel like we we've covered a lot of what I wanted to cover and I've really enjoyed Good. talking to you. I'm glad. I'm glad we got it done. And I um, really appreciated you reaching out and uh, it's so nice to, to chat with you both. Um, yeah. I miss that. Uh, I, I always think fondly of that time in new Orleans for your wedding and uh, we'll, we'll come back before we leave, man. Week. Come it back was... before we leave, you know, hopefully the pandy will, will, uh, we're not going to go there, but, you know, hopefully we'll be able to wrap that up at some point, put it behind us and get back to where we can visit each other easily. Come visit you for your going away party. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we love you, Ray. I yeah. Thank you so much for doing it. I, I really can't, uh, I can't say more. I think it was a, a great, a, a great thing. I'm really glad you shared so much. I, I couldn't ask yeah. for, for better. Well, I, Maybe I, for I, Brando. I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate you making the space um and also please give brooke a big hug for me i uh i love love you you both and brando i love you and love you uh, too, right? and well, enjoy stay, stay here for a second together. while i do my corny sign off and thank everybody for listening thank my one listener maybe um Such a corny but do it you have corny. one listener at least I, I do have more than one, he but yeah. I'm not sure how many of them aren't my I'm friends, right? I don't know if there's one like actual stranger, but hopefully we'll get that person soon. We want to keep putting out content, but one yeah, look, uh, one million. Yeah. friends, subscriber, multiple, hopefully. I uh, really hope you've enjoyed the content today. I, I, uh, we thank you for joining us again. We want you to keep you, keep it up, like, and subscribe and all that jazz. Uh, thanks for listening to Brevity Box, guys. We'll see you again on the next episode. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. 
Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry, the killer's behind you! <laughs>